Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Kerwin, and on today's episode, I have Naraj Naik. Naraj is a qualified pharmacist who started work as a community pharmacist in the UK. This is where he first got to see people getting bags of drugs every month, but rarely getting better. He was then promoted to the head office of one of the largest supermarket chains in the UK. This was when he first got branded the renegade pharmacist, due to the corporate management seeing his idea of a healthy shopping list was too risky for the business. Naraj, thanks so much for coming on for an episode for today. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, being a pharmacist there, but what's interesting is you've learned how to tap into your internal pharmacy. So not, not relying on drugs. And that's actually what we're going to be discussing today and how you've managed to do that. Yes. And um, so for listeners who don't know, um, you do a lot to do with breath, tra- breath work training and, and breathing. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So, um, to introduce people to this concept, what is the difference between normal breathing and breathwork training? Yeah, sure. Um, so, okay, so what is breathwork training? Uh, well, actually, there's many different styles of breathwork, okay? It can actually be a little bit confusing. If you even type into Google breathwork, the keyword breathwork, you'll see that I have an article, one of the top articles, where I go through uh, um, all of the various styles, the science behind it, and... Um, as I trained in various different styles, actually, you know, I did a lot with Wim Hof. He, he's a friend of mine. I um, did a lot of stuff with holotropic before that and pranayama, which is what I use, which is the ancient school of um, breathing techniques from, from India, which I use to heal myself from a chronic illness. So just going back to your introduction, I actually, what happened was I became very successful at, at getting people off medications primarily by giving them a prescription of dietary changes, lifestyle changes, and uh, pranayama techniques, breathing techniques, and meditation techniques that um, that help them get off the dependency of drugs. So I actually then became a patient, funny enough. I got super um, sick when I uh, went through a lot of the corporate um, stress, uh, trying to get my, my renegade ideas out there to the public. And I ended up um, it, literally housebound for a year with autoimmune condition called ulcerative colitis. It was almost like uh, the heavens or hell, whichever way you want to look at it, was um, giving me a kind of a test to, to go inwards um, because I'd been very good at helping other people. I wasn't taken very seriously, to be honest. Like I was too renegade. I was way ahead of my time. Like it's only now in recent times in the UK started to understand um, things about like things like diet nutrition and wellness um, you know but when I was uh, this was like 2010 sort of time things I was saying like sugar um, is what causes heart disease not necessarily the fat all these sorts of things um, you know don't eat processed foods don't don't junk foods even though they're called junk foods it was still quite uh, controversial back then um, especially for a big supermarket chain that um, is you know in, in the public eye So um, I had a lot of challenges and one of the things that really, um, really I had to kind of figure out um, in my own mind was when my Swami, who actually taught me the basic foundations of pranayama, told me um, that the opposite of what we think in the convention is true. So we all believe that oxygen is the thing that we need to, to thrive, to survive, and that, that we have almost it's like there's a lot of, even now in the, in the media and, and just the awareness is that we're in this def- deficit of oxygen and that we need to breathe deeply and get all this oxygen into our lungs. Actually, what Masami was telling me was it's not the truth, that according to Pranayama, we should be breathing less the more efficient we can be using oxygen, the less stress we actually invoke in the body. Okay. And I'll talk to you a little bit about the science of that and why, why that makes sense um, and contradicts what we've been told. 
So <clears throat> in, in uh, pranayama, which basically means energy control, it's a whole series of breathing techniques, and it tells you the normal way to breathe as well versus the, 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 um, the way most people breathe. And according to pranayama, we must always breathe through the nose, okay? The nose is like a filter, filter for uh, dust, uh, bacteria, germs in the air. Uh, we have all these little hairs, okay, in the no nose. And that filters the air and, allow, and also warms it. So only warm, clean air goes into your lungs, okay? Now, in the convention, actually, there's not really, we're not really told should we breathe through the nose or the mouth. And a lot of people you'll notice breathe through the mouth. They're mouth breathers and they have these locked up noses. And quite often people are reaching for decongestants and things to unblock their nose so they can breathe again. However, the problem with that is that they um, trigger even more congestion and they get even more problems with congestion in the nose because people overuse things like decongestants. Okay. Again, again, actually, if you type into Google, unblock nose in minutes or just unblock nose, you'll see I've got a whole article and video that shows you in minutes how just using breathing techniques, you can unblock your nose and breathe very clearly. I've helped so many people with, with these things and so they don't have to take decongestions. But that's another story in itself. But basically, just to give you like a bit of a, a background to the, how the physiology, uh, phys physiology works, uh, relationship to the breath when you um breathe in you breathe in oxygen okay when you breathe out you breathe out carbon dioxide oxygen goes into the bloodstream okay it binds to red blood cells okay now what we need is we need to get that oxygen off the red blood cells and into the cells um where they need in the, the tissues and the organs all right now if you actually have too much oxygen, okay, right? The oxygen stays bound to the red blood cells and it doesn't diffuse off into the cells where it's needed. So what you have to do is you have to raise the carbon dioxide to the right level for the oxygen to be able to go in to the tissue cells, okay? So you have to have the right concentration of carbon dioxide. If you're over breathing, if you're breathing a lot, you're tending to breathe out all the carbon dioxide and retain oxygen. And that over-breathing is triggered by stress, okay? So our emotional stress responses uh, actually can trigger internally a demand for oxygen that isn't actually needed because our emotional stress responses stimulates the same responses physiologically as physical stress does. So here's how that works. So in the olden days, when we were in the jungles, okay, living like in tribes and small tribes, we were surrounded by lions, tigers, bears, and uh, other tribes and people who we had to defend ourselves from, okay? So this sympathetic nervous system, which actually triggers this demand for energy and oxygen, the flight or fight response, which everyone's very familiar with, okay? Um, served us very well because it allowed us to kick into gear and to um, either run away or to defend ourselves. However, fast forward to this time, those uh, jungles are now replaced by concrete jungles. However, I do nowadays live in the jungles of Thailand, but they're now replaced by for most people and for me as well when I was working in the corporate head office, concrete jungles, and instead of um, lions and tigers and bears, you have bosses, deadlines, bills, relationships aren't working, and all the things that cause emotional stress that makes us worry about the future or where, what makes us feel guilty about things we've done in the past or jealous or envy, all those negative emotions, okay? Those negative emotions, because if we think of emotion as an equation of energy in motion, okay, then all of these emotions we feel internally as an energetic response too. So negative emotions triggers negative stress response, which actually produces a bigger demand on our body for oxygen, okay, when we don't really need it because we're not physically doing anything, we're sitting there freaking out, stressed about the bills that we haven't paid 
or this boss is bullying us. And every time that word hits us, they say sticks and stones won't break my bones, words will never harm me. Well, that's not true. The words are always there internally doing something to us, whether we like it or not, unless we become very resilient to what people say. And unfortunately, we live in a world where we're very much conscious about what people say, um, you know, because people getting trolled these days. You know, there's a lot of stress, negativity, even just the news, turn on the news for two minutes and you're bombarded by negative information. So what that does is it makes us demand more oxygen when we don't really need it. We start to over-breathe. And this is where we start to now start mouth breathing uh, rather than nose breathing. And what happens is, because our breath is under control of both the reptilian brain, okay, the, the, the primitive brain, but also our conscious brain, the neocortex, we, we can actually consciously control our autonomic nervous system actually just through our breath. However, the autonomic nervous system, if left to its own devices, the reptilian brain, the lizard, if it's left to its own devices, if we don't consciously just take control over it for a bit, what will happen is it will over-breathe, it will breathe erratically, okay? And here's the other thing. When you breathe out of rhythm, out of sync, that again affects our heart, okay? Because our breath is related, and the pattern of our breath is related to our rhythm of the heart. Okay, when you breathe in, you stimulate the sympathetic nervous system, your heart rate goes up a bit. When you breathe out, your heart rate goes down a bit, okay? So when you breathe in a rhythm, actually maintain a nice balance, a harmonic balance in your heart rhythms. However, if you breathe erratically, this also disrupts the heart. Therefore, getting back to the question, what's normal breathing, okay? Well, normal breathing um, is rhythmic breathing, breathing through the nose and trying to breathe into the belly, okay? As much as possible rather than the chest. When you breathe into the belly, okay, what happens is you stimulate parasympathetic nervous uh, uh, receptors and um, you bypass the sympathetic. When you breathe from the chest or through the mouth, you stimulate more the stress response. That's really reserved for physical exercise, okay? And when you're talking, like I'm talking right now, I'm actually breathing a lot through my mouth and you're, if I measured my heart rate, it's probably going up, okay? I'm stimulating more energy, all right? Um, however, when you breathe through the belly and you do rhythmic breathing, okay, and you could use music, okay, with a beat to it, and breathe in a rhythm to that beat, okay, that's really the natural, coherent way to breathe, that we should breathe. And most people who are very relaxed and in their flow, in their element, um, they tend to breathe in a nice, rhythmic fashion. People who are stressed, nervous, they tend to breathe through the mouth and they even may be quite nasally. You'll find people who are a little bit nervous and anxious tend to also be a little bit nasally. The nose tends to be a bit blocked because the, the nose is very intelligent as well. So what happens is if you over breathe, your nose will compensate uh, if you're breathing a lot through your mouth by blocking it, producing mucus to slow down the rate of air going in. Okay. Now here's the thing. The yogis knew all about this stuff the ancient yogis, okay? They knew all about this and they created a system called pranayama, which is energy control, because they know that the breath is spirit. Actually, the root word of the word spiritual um, in Latin is to breathe. Spirit, espiritu means breath. You know, so to breathe is spirituality, okay? To be, everyone is spiritual because we all breathe, all right? That's the thing that keeps us all connected. We're all connected through the fact that we all breathe. And actually, if you stand by someone you eventually and you spend some time just in the presence of someone will eventually start to match their breathing or you can actually breathe in a rhythm and and it will rub off on other people around you and they'll get more into a coherent rhythm just through you breathing in rhythm. so it's weird like the breath is like a way of connecting to people as well um anyway so uh pranayama is this basically a prescription different breathing techniques, okay? And the primary foundation of this is the knowledge, the awareness uh, that oxygen, too much oxygen is like too much fire in the body, okay? Let's go back into the cells, the mitochondria is where oxygen is utilized to produce energy, ATP energy. 
Oxygen binds with glucose, okay? Glucose is sugar, okay? Fuel is just like the coal on the fire. Oxygen binds with that, creates fire, an inner fire, okay? That fire is the energy, the ATP energy, which is the current, currency of energy in the body, right? So, so basically, just like a real fire, too much oxygen makes the fire burn too bright. And that fire can cause oxidative stress, free radical damage, um, oxidative reactive species. Um, so that has this like rusting effect in the body and also cause cell degeneration and the slowing down of telomerase, uh, so the shortening of telomerase. Okay, so basically, when you um, uh, have too little oxygen, the fire doesn't burn at all, bright enough, so you don't have enough energy. So we have to get the right balance of oxygen in the body, and that's what pranayama is really about. Okay, so the more efficient you can be at using oxygen, the less oxygen you'll need. Okay, and the less oxygen you'll need means you'll have less risk of damage in your cells, your telomeres will stay long, and you will be less risk of mutations of the cells, less risk of cancer and aging, other autoimmune diseases, and you'll look younger and you'll be healthier. That's the theory. And if you go to India and you go to the Himalayas, you'll find these yogis for a very long periods of time. Why again? Up in the Himalayas, the, the oxygen levels are very low and people live in a much more carbon dioxide rich environment versus oxygen, and they're very efficient using oxygen because the body is adapted. Look at the Nepalese Gurkha army, strongest army in the world. You know, they're employed by the, uh, the Americans and the British to win their fights. They live in high altitude. They live in the Nepalese mountains. And, you know, they're super fit, very robust. They don't get diseases as, as often as other people. So the Russians also did a lot of studies on this, and they noticed people who go up to high altitudes, okay, and come back, um, they report feeling better, healthier, some reversal of their symptoms, and athletes in general get fitter and have more endurance and stamina. So they wanted to figure out what was going on, and they created these hypoxicated machines um, where you'd get like a period of low oxygen and normal oxygen over a period of like 30 to 45 minutes, and they'll get remarkable results. However, the yogis, the pranayama um, uh, uh, yogis, they basically knew that just through breathing, uh, holding your breath, okay, breath retention in a certain way, so rhythmic breathing followed by breath retention, you would also create the same effects, so they'd simulate high altitude. Now, this is where we start getting into the realms of conscious control over the breath. Okay, so this is now in the realms of breath work, okay? Whereas normal breathing is just a relaxed rhythmic breathing. But breath work in, is where you start to consciously modulate the breath in order to create physiological change in the body because ultimately the thing that really affects our body the most is this oxygen carbon dioxide ratio. You can do so many weird things with the body physiologically, just by modulating the oxygen carbon dioxide ratio. Yogis knew this, and pranayama became the, the school of that, which a lot of things came from, like Chinese medicine, and all of these, like Qigong, um, all, started, all really had a root in pranayama. And then now we have more modern forms of breathwork. So we have uh, holotropic, we have rebirthing. Now these are kind of like, where people have taken one, one of the pranayama techniques and blown it up into this whole thing. Now, the danger of this is that if you don't know the physiological changes that are occurring scientifically, and you're, you're using that as the normal breathing, as the standard for breathing, like basically rebirthing and holotropic is like hyperventilator. Okay, Wim Hof is another one that's become very popular. He's a friend of mine. But a lot of people, they, they use that as the standard for breathing when actually it's just the technique for that purpose. You're not meant to make that your normal way of breathing, which is this mouth breathing, fast mouth breathing, okay? So, um, so this is what people need to be aware of is that, that normal breathing versus breath work, breathing techniques are there and they have deep 
effect on the physiological um, physiology of the body. Therefore, they need to be treated almost like drugs, mm-hmm. like with that much respect. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm loving this concept because, as you said, back in 2010, when you were introducing the idea of, hey, maybe we should cut down on our sugar intake, it's not harmful to take saturated fat. This to me with this breathing is kind of like that concept to say, hey, do you actually need that much oxygen all the time? Like, um, but but the one thing that also gets me really thinking here is because ther- so we're talking about therapeutic ways, which are, which is why I'm loving this, and we'll get into that in a little bit more. But I'm trying to think of the difference of the application when you would use what we're talking about here, intermittent hypoxia, which is um, you know cutting down the amount of oxygen you got versus something like hyperbaric chamber treatment, where you actually get a lot of oxygen forced into you. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. How, how do you see the difference there in the benefits or the risks that are involved between those yes. two? Hyperbaric um, oxygen chambers have no evidence at all for any health benefits other than the fact that they can sometimes speed up the healing of wounds on the skin, skin diseases and things. Because a lot of the bacteria that cause skin lesions and ulcers on the skin um, are anaerobic. Okay, they may have, they may be anaerobic. Therefore, like hitting them with oxygen can actually kill them faster, better than antibiotics, because oxygen loves to kill things. Okay, if it can, it likes to react with things and oxidate them. So you know, so certain bacteria hate oxygen. Okay, um, obviously our skin can handle it. Our skin doesn't get burned by oxygen so much, but internally, who knows what's going on, having so much oxygen. I've been in one of these chambers and I remember feeling anxious and panicky um, at one point in it. And it, it was like towards the end and I was just, you know, it was weird. But I was doing a few like rhythmic breathing things as well and messing around with my breath in there. But I definitely felt like, I didn't feel like great afterwards, you know, like, like I do if I do the opposite where I, I hold my breath and do like, hypoxic training like i didn't feel that like real relaxed buzz from it and yeah if you just do the science you'll see there's not much evidence for their health benefits other than the fact that they can help speed up wound healing. yeah <clears throat> so when i was trying to do a bit of research around um hypoxia so the you know trying to limit your oxygen intake which is again the polar opposite i was i found it fascinating to see that researchers have been looking at this even in spinal cord injury patients i don't know if you've come across that but I was just looking where, because they, they have a problem if um, when they damage the spinal cord that they struggle to breathe at times, and then they develop pneumonia. Um, paraplegics can get this, and they're actually finding that if you limit someone's oxygen intake in a controlled fashion for a short period of time, it can actually stimulate serotonin running down the spinal cord, and there's a whole bunch of other aspects to this. And again, to me, this is. This is a whole new realm of worlds thinking, I must try limit my breathing at times as normal breathing, not actually try get, you know, it's in, in a, yeah, in a way it would be like trying to take an oxygen chamber and put that around if I had difficulty breathing and that's not optimal. I'd actually want to live in a place where I could breathe. And as you said, limit the, the, the rate that I'm breathing or so that I'm not breathing in too deep. And that leads into something that's probably more common with people listening right now, which is anxiety and panic attacks. And for anyone who, I, I know a lot of people who suffer that. I seem to always come across people who seem to get anxious or, you know, worked up about that. What would be a tip that you could give those people right now listening to that who may be on a train somewhere in a subway or in their car and they're feeling a bit anxious? Okay. So, okay, well, yeah, just going back to that oxygen thing. So, you know, doctors have oxygen tanks full of oxygen, 100% oxygen. If they really could cure everything with oxygen, they would be, right? But they can't. So, you know, that oxygen isn't a cure-all and we don't need to deep breathe and get those oxygen. So that's the paradigm shift I'm trying to change. Um, So let's look at um, panic and anxiety. Right. So it's actually like a vicious cycle. All right. So you get, you get nervous about something, right? It starts making that emotional reaction. So you start to breathe a bit faster. Quite often anxious people start to breathe through the, and hyperventilate through the mouth. And you gasp, 
Okay, and what you might be doing is and holding on to the air like that and getting this tightness of the chest. Okay, now let's look at this. I, I love to actually just pick, paint pictures for people because if somebody's suffering from anxiety, um, and um, just from a bit of an awareness of like physiological changes that occur and having a little bit of biology background, like just even basics, I found was very enlightening for people, especially in the pharmacy. When I just taught them basic things about their biology and food and, and diet and what it does to you, it made huge shifts in getting people to actually stop eating junk food. Or It's just we live in a very, very, very kind of like um, sheltered world. Like people are like kind of really sheltered from the truth. You know, and they maybe they don't study properly at school or whatever. Teacher was too boring, but you know, with, there is certain things that is really worth knowing. You know, about your body, like biology, and basically one of the things is um, this idea of what, where these where anxiety stems from and where does fear come from. Okay, so one of the things everyone should realize is that right in the core of us is this reptilian. We're like a snake from our brainstem all the way down to uh, the bottom of our spine. We are like a serpent, a snake. Okay? And just like a snake in nature, that snake's very alert, high alert for danger. All it cares about is survival. So all it cares about is your survival. Okay. Now, what happens is when you're um, born, okay, when you're first born, the first thing a baby that does is takes this big gasp of air. And it quite often it holds onto it because it's the first time the baby's now fending for itself. Okay? The reptilian brain is alert, very alert, and it's completely now dependent on somebody else's the environment and, and your parents, doctor, whatever, other people for survival. Before it was very well nurtured and cared for in the womb. Now suddenly you have to fend for yourself. First thing baby does is gasp for air because before it's been getting oxygen through the umbilical cord. Now it's like going to breathe for the first time. So it doesn't know how to breathe actually. So when you breathe in, a lot of the times babies will hold their breath. Okay. Until the, the doctor slaps them. Okay. And then, and then takes his first exhale and starts crying and then gets into the rhythm. And sometimes babies don't get into the rhythm until a little bit of coaching in the beginning. So what I'm saying is that actually our tendency under fear, under stress, is to almost like think like that breath is the last breath you're going to take and to gasp. <gasps> like that. And quite a lot of people under fear, they get tightness in the chest. The chest is holding on to the inhale, Okay. And as I said, when you, when you inhale, you stimulate sympathetic nervous system, okay? If you were to inhale and hold and squeeze your muscles even, your heart rate will go up, especially if you squeeze the sphincter muscles, okay? And there's a, there's a saying, you know, people who are uptight, you know, um, you know they, they tend to get high blood pressure and things like that. Well, actually, if you were to just do that, if you were to be then... And, and squeeze and pull up your, your pelvic floor muscles with the sphincter muscles up, drawing it up, actually your heart rate will go up. Heart rate goes up. It creates a surge of adrenaline, okay? This is one of the ways you can consciously control your, your autonomic nervous system. But anyway, that's another topic. But a lot of people do that. They breathe in and they're gasping or they're holding onto the breath. And they're not doing what is probably the most important thing of all is exhale, okay? One of the most powerful things my son taught me, the complete paradigm shift, was that extend your exhale, extend your exhale. Try and get into a rhythm where you're breathing in for two and out for four, okay? Because um, that, it keeps you in this uh, more parasympathetic state rather than the sympathetic state that's switched on. So, one of the things that can actually straight away stop you feeling anxious is just to extend your exhalation. So if you go like that, even just that can be enough 
to calm me down. All right. If you do this breathing pattern, this is my favorite breathing pattern. In for four, out for eight. So you're doubling the exhale time. So through the nose. And then out. So you're, you're just doing cycles of breathing in for four and out for eight or in for two, out for four. Okay, what happens is because when you breathe out, you stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, okay? And when you're breathing out, you're giving more time, calm side to build up. You're not breathing it all out very quickly, okay? It means that you calm down, you relax, the anxiety fades away, okay? So that's one simple way of relieving anxiety. Another way is just to do forms. Om. Make that tone, okay? Really good. Those of you who are into doing ice baths and things like that and freezing your ass off, okay? And what happens when you get in straight away like, <gasps> like that, okay? Um, it's the same thing, it creates panic, okay? So one way, the track, the, the real trick, is to make the tones. If you look at Siberian shamans, they're all about the throat singing and tones. They're all going, making all these tones. Just do that, all right? For a few minutes, if you're feeling anxious, you'll be totally calm. Okay, if you go into an ice bath, first thing, just do that tone. Even just doing it, like that calms you down. When you, when you purse your lips and blow out, like you're playing a flute or clarinet or simply just singing or whistling, has been shown it stimulates the vagus nerve, okay? Just that pursing the lips and blowing out. So another, another technique from Mayama is where you just breathe in, blow out through a small stroll. You're really slowing down the exhale, okay? You're slowing down your breath and rhythm of breath, and you're really slowing it down. That calms the nervous system down. You breathe fast, nervous system goes up. Adrenaline goes up, heart rate goes up. Breathe slow, everything slows down, becomes calm and relaxed. So that's, that's, that's it, basically. Right? That's like a simple kind of overview of... Yeah, but this is what I love, you know, because <clears throat> the reason I, I I love this topic of, of breathing today and introducing people is because the whole idea is how do we live healthy through our life? And breathing is a fundamental thing. And we're trying to learn how to optimize breathing, but optimize breathing for what you need in, in a different situation. So as you said, you can use your breathing to actually amp your heart rate up if needed to for a certain situation, or you can actually use it to bring it down again if you're getting overexcited. But it just shows we are in control and we can change our nervous system. We can change the way we feel purely by the, the, the way that we, do, we can consciously choose to breathe. And I love all these tips that you're giving because I can, I, can, I can only imagine so many people listening right now who were just sitting there pursing their lips and trying to blow out. Or, <laughs> and a key thing you said there too was that ex prolonged exhalation. Just really take your time to breathe out. Don't rush breathing out and try quickly breathe in that's one of the key things is actually don't panic you can breathe out it's okay you're in control and then yeah. i also <laughs> i know what people are going to be doing because exactly as you said you know so many people do uh, cold showers cold baths for the cold thermogenesis benefit and i can i can hear all these people now having their cold showers in the morning and umming uh, i was like i heard yes. naraj on the podcast and he said okay so it's cold shower and i'm struggling here but he says like Ooh. <laughs> and if you hang out with Wim, Wim long enough, Wim Hof, he's always doing, he's always doing that. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what my son, the first thing my son taught me was to chant Om. He said, start, start chanting Om. Because when I used to get so stressed and sick from work, you know, coming home, tired, I was just like, and before going to work, stopped me from reacting and getting crazier, like, the patients and stuff, because I was so stressed out with the amount of pills that they had to push. Um, or just get in there, get centered. 
And actually, it sounds, it feels good. And what you'll find, actually, when you do these other breathing techniques, uh, like the intermittent hypoxic training using the breath, um, you actually become so efficient using oxygen that you will be able to extend your arms times and you better really like monitor your health actually because the length of time you can hold your breath or you can chant om is a measure of your vital capacity it's your ability to use oxygen so the longer your your om time is the healthier you are the more efficient you are and the less risk you are of getting oxidative stress in the body yeah so because there are so many different breath techniques out there um I think that's an important thing that people learn how to apply or when to apply or how often to apply each different type of breath technique um, in different situations. So it sounds like like the um thing and the and just practicing prolonged exhalation. That's a good everyday thing to practice. But I'm imagining you wouldn't the the hyperventilation sort of holotropic thing that you mentioned earlier. That's not something you would want to practice every day, or do you think you would? It, there is a, a benefit to using that kind of breathing technique to practice a few minutes every day. No, not at all. Like you wouldn't do ayahuasca every day, right? I mean, some people do the, the nut bags. They, they, they do things like you know, like uh, heavy doses of psychedelics every day. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do mounds of cocaine every day unless you're an addict, right? And some people are addicted to that a crazy buzz, buzz that you get um, from really fast breathing, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. So, you know, you've got to treat this stuff like a drug, okay? Like when you're breathing, you're actually changing your physiology and it needs to be taken with respect. So you don't want to overdo anything in life. Okay? You want to have a balance. So the hyperventilating styles of breathing, like holotropic, rebirthing, they really should be saved for what they're intended for, which is this big cathartic releases or this like psychedelic kind of therapeutic effects that you get where you can have visions and see your past lives and angels and all that stuff, <laughs> which they, I've not seen the angels yet, but um, you know, I've heard people say that, but that's really like, should also be done in the context where you have a sitter, somebody sitting with you who's um, holding space and all that should be done in a safe environment. Because doing something like that on your own, um, you know, can be dangerous. It can be, can lead to trauma and weirdness. Also doing it with the wrong person can also lead to trauma. So you have to be very careful with this stuff, who you do it with. Whereas my breathing techniques that I um, use from pranayama are actually uh, things you can have as a daily dose, a daily dose of, of um, bliss or wellness, you know, and... We follow this intermittent hypoxic training protocol and have created like a 21-day protocol which takes you through various stages, progressing towards more um, longer, deeper uh, breath retention times with music and the music powers the whole thing. So you get over 21 days a whole awakening. We call it the Soma Awakening experience where you um, basically uh, learn how to breathe Normally, then you get taught the actual breathing technique of the Himalayan yogis that was uh, the most revered technique of all, uh, Kumbhaka, which is this, these are this, the benefits of intermittent hypoxia, which I, I'll definitely talk about. And over 21 days, the last week, you start to produce the DMT, okay? And you start to produce the, well, we don't produce DMT as such. We make an endogenous version of it with metatonin similar as an analog to DMT. We also produce serotonin, melatonin. So um, what happens is you can have these very epic visionary states. However, because we're using breath retention in a special way, uh, where you're holding your breath in certain ways and lowering the oxygen for brief periods of time, um, it has this magical effect of awakening parts of the body, strengthening, healing the cells and optimizing the cardiovascular system and the nervous system. So, yeah, I've, I believe I've created a very powerful um, like program protocol for, for getting all the benefits of, um, you know, breathing techniques as well as getting into these visionary states. However, we don't recommend you do these long sessions that you did last week 
every single day. We have a daily dose. So again, I'm very like prescription, like I'm still a pharmacist. And I have, we have a daily dose of, we recommend you can carry on doing every day. And it, it's like um, high intensity training for your soul and spirit. That's what we call it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I love about this. It, it is, it's, it's, as you said, just that concept of using your breathing like a drug and because it, it is a drug because it can it can do different things to your physiology um and that that is really really powerful i mean that's probably the biggest thing out of today that if people need to just remember something how important your breathing is because it is a drug and it can do what you need it to do potentially and you need to respect that um but yes. but i love it that you did bring that up because i with all the different kind of breathing techniques out there that i do see you know people try to emulate vim um, to do what he's able to do. And I guess some people may overdo it. They may overpractice. And I've always wondered, yes. do they end up fainting? Or you? there is that risk that you get hypoxic and there's there's a danger to that too. And I also wondered, maybe there are there certain people that you would also be more cautious with, like you have respiratory problems, um, your asthmatics, your COPD patient, your people yeah. who've got a cold or a flu, should they it's like you know when you're already taxed and you're struggling to breathe a little bit should you you know try avoid doing those techniques rather go more towards the ums and the prolonged exhalation is is that like the 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 prescription you would give in that situation well we do have some caveats um on the whole most people are okay doing these techniques even fainting is not a problem to be honest because um you can't actually uh like kill yourself by holding your breath your body will kick into gear very quickly to stop you from causing any damage way before any damage is caused so you can't really maintain a hypoxic level for long enough that's going to cause problems um just it's just not possible uh however um you have to do it with obviously with care and you shouldn't do it like in a swimming pool, for example. You shouldn't do breath retention techniques where you're holding your breath like in the pool, which a lot, a few people have died doing like, you know, uh, like, you know, Wim Hof uh, stuff because they're trying to beat his ice bath record, which is just silly. You shouldn't do these things without somebody being around at least, you know. But then there's um, other people who um, do this underwater swimming. Um, hypoxic training underwater like Laird Hamilton and I think he's he's really into this where you swim like laps underwater again this really must be done in the right person uh, sitting and watching you making sure you're not going to drown because that's the only time you're there is a risk is it, it's, it's when you're doing it in a not safe space I know I've, I've seen people do these breathing techniques on a high chair on a high stool okay and then pass out and fall off and hit their head <laughs> i've seen that happen on camp because i've when we were doing our early breathing um sessions on through zoom uh certain people i saw were on these stools and i didn't notice they were on a stool until they fell fall off fell off it and hit their head so things like that you know common sense stuff like do it in safe space um but actually yeah you can't actually cause any physical damage just by holding your breath. You'd have to be physically suffocated, you know, by someone asphyxiated. Um, you know, some people are into those kinky games. You know, you've heard some of those celebrities that actually suffocate to death because they're trying to enhance the orgasmic state because that's one of the things that can also enhance greatly when you lower the oxygen. Um, you can even last longer. Um, and then, you know, they've passed out because they're trying to asphyxiate themselves. So... You've got to be really, really careful. Uh, you've got to try to use caution. But the people who are the most going to be at risk from this kind of stuff is people who um, have very, very high blood pressure. Because certain breathing techniques, um, the way I do it with Soma is much more gentle. And so high blood pressure doesn't seem to be such a problem. But things like... Um, uh, holotropic, rebirthing those styles, where you generate a lot of energy, a lot of electricity in the body. You've got to be careful if you've got high blood pressure. Also, epilepsy may be triggered. Okay, but epilepsy may even be fixed by it. I don't know. It's like that's another 
one, which is a caveat. We try and like do with caution. Uh, then there's like obviously COPD. Okay, so COPD has different stages. Like this very serious COPD where you can hardly breathe and you need machines. I don't recommend they do it. Any terminally ill patient, they're just not going to be able to do it probably anyway. They're not going to be able to get into that state. So obviously they should, they've got to um, be careful. Um, but on the whole, most people, and we have a whole list of it on our website, on the whole, most people uh, can enjoy the benefits of this, and especially asthmatics. Asthma, believe it or not, is a symptom that is produced in the body to actually suppress the, the oxygen flow into your body, to protect you against oxygen. So people who are asthmatic are actually very sensitive to oxygen. And they basically produce the asthma to protect them from over-breathing and the harmful effects of too much oxygen. And asthma, asthmatics may also um, have certain triggers that is causing the inflammation. But on the whole, it's quite often it's a symptom of over-breathing or stress, like anxious people who breathe too much, breathe too much from the mouth. Um, at night, they may breathe in too much from the mouth. And that causes this asthma. Now, actually, this is a funny thing. Asthmatics, okay, who um, are on, who don't use medication, quite often outlive the asthmatics who take medication, who take the inhalers, because they're suppressing the body's natural mechanism to prevent too much oxygen going in the body. So those asthmatics who just don't worry about it and just go get on with it, they tend to live longer. It's really weird. You can check out the studies on this. But um, here's the thing. Our soma techniques of breath retention, rhythmic breathing, breath retention, extended exhales is incredible for asthmatics. We have amazing results for people with asthma, fixing their asthma. Yeah, and again, that would be so powerful for someone who, because I know when you're around an asthma patient and they, you know, they have to have their medication with them for those emergency situations too, but it's the panic. Um, that that fear of I'm not going to be able to breathe and this is this could kill me, um, but I can imagine how empowering it may be for those patients in a safe environment that they go through this training with others around them and they feel that they're in control of their breathing again, um, just even psychologically, other than just the physiological benefits that would come from that. Um, that would be very right. fulfilling to someone. So, but uh, Naraj. I mean, we could geek out on so much more stuff here. I mean, you are just a treasure trove uh -huh. when it comes to breathing. And I, I'm loving this concept again of this foundational thing. I always look at foundational things that someone could do even as a teenager or if they're in their 80s listening to this show. It's something that just it's, it's for life in a way. It's just a fundamental thing. It's accessible anywhere in this world. You don't need fancy equipment. You could literally just be here right now. And again, we we did some training on this episode, which I loved it too. That was so practical for listeners. Yes. Um, for anyone who wants to keep in contact with you, wants to find out more about you, are there any particular social media or places that you would recommend people to go to? Yeah. Um, so the renegadepharmacist.com website is like full of great information on, it's like my all of my healthy prescriptions on there, my natural prescriptions for alternatives to medicines and drugs. That's a very cool place uh, for getting that information. Um, then somabreath.com is our breathwork uh, and pranayama training. Uh, we have a webinar that shows you awesome things like how you can tap into your autonomic nervous system, turn stress on and off, modulate it, and also get into psychedelic states, produce DMT, get into those optimum kind of high vibe states, but also... Um, use our protocol, which um, basically strengthens your body, improves your cardiovascular system, and even wakes up dormant parts of the brain and your physiology and is having incredible results. People who go through our 21-day protocol, you just got to check out the feedback that we get from inside the um, community. Um, we have a Facebook community. Uh, it's just amazing results. You know, we've had people reporting like you know coming off all their medications for depression or blood pressures um people like manifesting you see like breathing techniques is magic as well if you look at all the high ritual magic techniques from um ancient shamanic tribes and even like modern day more like masonic kind of uh, background 
they had breathing techniques. Pranayama was a core part of their rituals. And when you breathe and use intention with it, you can use that, that as a way to get more energy to get things done, to send energy towards areas in the body you want to heal. You can use it to even call people in, attract people. Really weird. This is on the realms of the more woo-woo end of the spectrum, but I've had incredible results with, with combining intention with breath. And that's actually what Soma is really about. Is It's a whole system designed to really help you move towards where you want to be in your life, right? Get your goals. At the same time, have a therapeutic effect of enhancing your physiology, but using magic and intention to, to get what you want in life, to, to find out what it is you want in life. Because basically breath work, like holotropic rebirthing, one of the purposes of it is it wakes you up to who you are. It's like this awakening to who you are. Um, we've done it in a more gentle way, and, and we have a, a whole uh, community and really well-trained instructors who guide you through this process. Because when you figure out who you are, okay, it can be quite challenging. It can be like, whoa, it can be a huge paradigm shift, you know, um, because you're like a totally different person with a new head on. And so then you need to be coached through that and you need to be guided through that and safely so that you really get the best out of life. So Soma is really my, my, my real um, heart and soul. You know, it also ties in with the legend of Soma. The Soma is um, the psychedelic plant ritual that the Rishis take took thousands and thousands of years ago when we were all living like in the Garden of Eden and they used to live for long periods of time. And they used this ritual as a way to connect with the gods and the divine. So a lot like shamanic plant medicine journeys that people go on now. However, they did it in a very spiritual context called Soma. However, as the wishes start to move out and spread out around the world, um, which is all spoken about in the Rig Veda, the ancient, world's most ancient religious manuscript, um, the soma starts to run out. So people are freaking out. The rishis are freaking out. And the gods order them to go inward to discover how to create the soma within. And the soma within is this DMT, serotonin, all the bliss molecules that we produce. And so that they were no longer dependent on all of the plants. So basically what they created was pranayama, tantra, pranayama, yoga. All of these things came from human's quest to getting as high as humanly possible. So basically, what I've done is I've taken these ancient tradition um, uh, shamanic techniques from Siberia, from uh, India, from, from the, these ancient schools, and made it into a system called Soma. It's like the new way of um, doing yoga and all of these things, because yoga's even gone out of context a bit in, in the modern world. And I've consolidated all into very powerful system, which I highly recommend. Fantastic. And I'll link to all of that in the show notes for listeners. Um, awesome. Because, you know, that's, yeah, that, again, I, I can imagine that's going to be very powerful um, for some people in their health journey right now too, outside of just looking at nutrition and movement. Breathing is is another realm you need to control. So, again, Naraj, Brilliant. thank you so much for sharing your information. I've really enjoyed our interview today. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. Peace. Uh-huh.